I left my failing business that resulted in thousands of dollars of debt and almost killed my passion for entrepreneurship to set out on a journey to build a business I could enjoy doing the rest of my life. I went all in to learn a new skill and found myself in the world of funnel marketing. Now I get to talk to entrepreneurs who are creating mass movements and empowering others. I don't know how I'll do it yet, but I know I want to join them. Follow me on my journey as I speak with top entrepreneurs to learn the strategies they are using to build their movements and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Susan Leonardson, and this is Amplify Your Impact. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Amplify Your Impact. On this episode, I have Robert Wright. He is an online attorney, and he has launched his own e-commerce company, and sold physical products in both the U.S. and throughout Europe so that he could better understand the needs of his clients. He is an internationally recognized speaker and regularly speaks on the legalities of growing and scaling online businesses. He's also a father to six wonderful kids, ranging in age from 13 years to 13 months, so he is in good company here. And we are going to talk all about the legalities and the important things that we need to be doing with our businesses, but some of us may be overlooking. So we're happy to have him here today. Thanks for joining us, Robert. I'm happy to be here, Susan. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. We kind of got to know you a little bit just then from your intro, but tell us, like, how did you get into into this business of being an attorney? Is this something that's always been interesting to you? And then how did you end up getting into helping entrepreneurs? Yeah, no, it's kind of a, as the Grateful Dead would say, what a long, strange trip it's been, right? Um, And I kind of, quote unquote, blame my mom. So as a kid, you know, she would stay home. She always loved courtroom drama. So there was always Perry Mason or Matlock or Law and Order kind of just playing on the TV in the background. And so I just was always really taken, uh, you know, by someone that could stand in the courtroom and speak really eloquently, uh, serve justice, you know, the American way, all that good stuff. And as I headed off to, to college trying to figure out, well, what do you want to do with your life? I thought, you know, being an attorney would be pretty cool. Like, you know, you get to meet interesting people. You get to serve, you know, truth, justice, the American way. Uh, let's look into that. And so I started looking into it, took a couple of courses, really enjoyed them. And before you know it, I headed off to law school. I was in law school about the same time that Napster was a thing, right? So the internet was really starting to turn into what it is today. And there were all these, what I think were really interesting issues of, you know, how do you, you know, can you share music with your friends? Is that okay? Um, and of course it's not, right? So Metallica kind of came in and shut Napster down. I was really bothered by that, right? They teach you day one of kindergarten that you're supposed to share with your friends. And all of a sudden that's not okay. So as I was trying to find myself in the law, I, I started to dig deeper into, to, into that. Like I wanted to understand that. Why is that wrong? And pretty soon that opened the doors to to understanding that that's trademarks and that's copyrights and that's patents. And oh, by the way, entrepreneurs, small businesses, young companies are generally the folks that, you know, are dealing with those sorts of issues. And I was just, I was enamored. Uh, You know, I I was so enamored. I kind of joke, like I'm one of the only attorneys that that spent four years of law school instead of three. I went and got my, my JD and passed the bar and did all that good stuff, but I wanted more. So I actually went and got a master's of law to spend a whole year just focusing on intellectual property, wanting to, to understand how to best uh, you know, do trademarks, do copyrights, talk about patents, and then you know, serve entrepreneurs. So when I launched my, my practice, 
uh, it was very clear to me that's that's who I wanted to serve. Um, and that's just kind of evolved and changed over the course of time. So, you know, my guy, the folks that I support, uh, you know, they're small businesses, they're young companies, they're people that are starting a side hustle and they just, you know, they're trying to find their way. They're trying to achieve their dream. And me just being a small part of that, whether it's helping them form a business or protect a trademark, uh, you know, get a contract in place or, you know, protect the copyright. It's just a, it's just a really, it's a real blessing for me to be able to do that. So you mentioned you work with businesses that are just starting. And so mm-hmm. like solopreneurs that are just starting too, oh, yeah. that need yeah. that protection. What, what is the like foundation things <laughs> that every business needs to have? Like as soon as they start forming um, beyond, maybe what, beyond what it, the business what do they license. Need to do? I think yeah. we all know we need a business license of some sort. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I kind of, I, you know, sometimes I'll kind of smack people over the head a little bit with, with this and, and, it's purposeful because I want to shake people up. Business is war, right? People are going to come and get you. Like as soon as you get in the marketplace, whether you're selling a physical product, a digital product, whether you're doing some consulting, like if you're successful, um, people are going to kind of come after you. And so you need to make sure that that you're protected. So, you know, when I work with a solopreneur, you know, those, those folks that are starting kind of from square one are absolutely my, my favorite types of clients because I have a blank canvas to work with, right? Like I can, I can really, instead of doing course correction, you know, after they've already maybe, you know, fumbled and made a couple of mistakes, like we can start from scratch and we can build their business from the ground up, which is just super cool. Um, First port of call, if you're going to do any sort of business, form some sort of business entity, right? Whether that's a limited liability company or a corporation, you know, operating through a formal, proper appropriate vehicle is going to take your personal assets and remove them from the field of play, meaning only your business assets are ever going to be at risk, right? You know, forming a limited liability company, incorporating that these days is, is easier than it's ever been. You know, back in the old days, you had to go, you know, you know, go to the secretary of state's office or go to the secretary of state's website, you know, punching some stuff. You know, for folks that are working kind of on a shoestring budget, there's a number of, of legal options that are available to them. You know, there, there's services like LegalZooms or, or Trademarkia or Inkfile that are you know, affordable. Uh, they provide a good bit of education. You, know, you have your traditional law firms that can help folks out. And then you know, kind of the niche that I feel is that in between, right? I'm not a traditional law firm. You know, my law firm is my, is my computer. It goes, my law firm goes with me. Uh, I mean, I was in Texas over the weekend. My law firm went with me, and I'm you know working from the hotel doing trademark registrations. Um, as as lawyers start to leverage technology, they're able to offer services that are just as good as kind of traditional old school brick and mortar firms at a much more affordable price, especially for small business owners, um, you know, and, and startups, which is which is super cool. So lots of good options out there. Um, that, that, you know, someone who's just starting out can take advantage of. I, I think the thing that I see is a lot of people just, they put that off. They're like, well, I don't really need to do that. I'm not, I'm not a real business yet. You're a real business as soon as you start collecting money from someone in exchange for a service or sending them a product, right? Just, you know, just that's the first port of call for anybody uh, that's doing any sort of business online or in a more traditional brick and mortar setting. So is there specific things that online businesses need to be aware of and take uh, take care of legally 
that maybe brick and mortar offline businesses don't? Yeah, I, that, that's a great question. So kind of going back to, well, how did I get into the to this, this law thing in the first place and, and Napster and, and kind of the nature of the internet? You know, to me, you're doing business online, it's so easy for one of your assets to just be copied and pasted somewhere else, right? So I work with a lot of private label sellers and, you know, they're selling physical products, whether it's on Amazon or eBay or Shopify or Etsy, and they take great pride, spend a lot of time, money, and effort in taking, you know, photos of their products. They're very proud of them. They want, they want the absolute best photos possible for their products. It helps drive sales. And oh, by the way, like it's their brand. They, they take pride in it. I cannot tell you how easily it is for someone to, you know, take a, take a photo of a product, upload it to Amazon, and then you start looking around eBay and Alibaba and Etsy and other places on the internet, and it's just copied and pasted everywhere. Just, you know, just a bunch of copycat thieves. Um, you know, one of the things that you can do to avoid that is making sure that you register the copyright that you have in your product photos. The copyright that you have in, you know, maybe it's a digital guide that you've created. Maybe it's a course that you've created. You know, that's your intellectual property. That's an asset to your business. And the way that you protect something like that, a work of authorship, is through a formal copyright registration. And it's, it's a really, really powerful tool online, especially in an environment where copying is just so pervasive. Um, having a registered copyright, can uh, it's a really strong club in your bag in terms of if you do find that your course has been copied somewhere or you do find that your guide or your ebook has been just scattered across the internet, the law allows you a mechanism. It's called the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, where basically you can go to that site, whether it's Amazon or eBay or Etsy or Shop, you know, whatever it is, or if it's even if it's just a hosting provider and complain to them and say, hey, that guide that you're hosting, that course that you're hosting, that photo that you've got up there, that's mine. I have a registered copyright in it, and you need to take it down. And if you don't, you're going to be in big trouble. And, the, and, and per the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, that internet service provider, that platform, eBay, Etsy, you know, Amazon, whatever it is, they have to take action on it. And if they do, very quickly, they'll be absolved from copyright infringement liability. Um, so it's, it's just a really, really powerful club in your bag in terms of, of protecting your digital assets and your works. Is uh, copyright registering expensive or not? I don't. I don't hear of too many people pursuing it. So I'm assuming it's probably not attainable for everybody. <laughs> it's really. It's it's more affordable than you would think. Um, I mean, the filing fee. Just to give you a comparison. So, like the filing fee for uh, a registration with the copyright office is about fifty dollars, whereas okay. trademarks, which are much more popular, everybody's like, oh, I need to protect my trademark. It's 275. To me, I think that the, the notion of people just not really going out and protecting their copyrights, it's just people don't understand it. There's a lot of, you know, kind of old school mythology around it of, well, I don't have to register it to have one. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Copyright is invest upon authorship. So as soon as you put pen to paper, brush to canvas, fingers to keyboard, there's a copyright that exists that you as the author own. You really can't do much with it until you do the registration, though. And, and I think, you know, in, in the world of entrepreneurship, where we're just so busy doing so many things, you know, we're, we're building our business, we're marketing, we're HR, we're, 
you know, just, you know, we're learning, we're going to conferences, we're doing all this stuff. Thinking about copyrights just kind of gets pushed down the list a little bit and we just get lazy and we forget about it. We might get overwhelmed. You know, how am I supposed to monitor the internet for, you know, people who might've stolen my course or my guide or my photos or my whatever, um, you know, and it just, it, it doesn't have to be that way. Now, there's a lot of, you know, the copyright registration is a really effective mechanism of giving you a legal right that you can protect. And then there's another number of services, whether it's through a firm like mine or, you know, kind of third-party services that'll go out and monitor the internet for you for a really affordable price and just handle all that, all of that stuff. Um, and I just think about, you know, think about a course creator, for example, you know, someone who creates a course, charges 997 is kind of the going rate for most courses, right? Um, you know, every time that's copied, that's a sale lost. And so to me, you know, $50 filing fee and a couple hundred dollars, you know, paid to a lawyer or some service to help you register the copyright, that's money well spent in your business, if you ask me. Yeah, that's that's really inexpensive. I guess I was just yeah. thinking like, why isn't any, everyone doing this? <laughs> it's, I think it's, I really think it's just because people don't know. They just don't think about it. There's a yeah. lot of... You know, I think especially in the entrepreneur community, there's, there's, you know, services like LegalZoom have done a really good job of educating folks of, hey, you should form a business and it's pretty easy to do. Hey, you should register a trademark and it's easy to do. And for whatever reason, like copyright registrations just really haven't, they haven't caught on, they haven't resonated with folks. Um, and I think it's, 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 it's just kind of been ignored. So I always like to shine a light on that. Um, just because it's, it's especially for digital products, infopreneurs who are, I mean, that's what they're creating, right? I mean, they're creating digital assets. The absolute best way to protect those assets is through a copyright registration. Um, it just is. Yeah. I mean, if that's, if that's what your business is built on is the digital assets you're creating, it'd be like the equivalency of having a warehouse full of inventory and you don't have any locks or security systems. Exactly. It's just like, come on in, take it, carry it out, put it over in the other warehouse and sell it out of your, no, you don't want to do that. You want, I mean, that, that is your business. Those assets go out of the warehouse. You're in big trouble. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So when is it appropriate to get trademarks? Well, that's a good question, right? So I think it depends upon the nature of your business. If you are in a physical products business and that's what you're selling, you're doing private label, for example, straight away. I mean, just as in, in, in kind of a digital asset sort of business, whether you're an infopreneur or course creator, um, you know, your assets, the, the heart of your business are those assets and copyright's kind of the solution for that. If you are selling physical products, your brand is the heart of your business. And the way that you protect a brand is through a trademark registration. Um, You know, a lot of people, the biggest mistake I see people make with brands is they create one that just doesn't function as a trademark or it's already taken. It's really interesting to me to see clients that have come to me and, and most just have some sort of epiphany. Oh, I woke up and you know I've been brainstorming this amazing brand and you know it, it's perfect. It's the mix of my mom's middle name and my dad's middle name and I threw an S in the middle of it and it's this great <laughs> brand. You know, they, I mean, they've got they all have a unique story. Um, the first thing that I'll do is I'll go and clear the brand. Like you know, I'll, you know, I'll go and see does anybody else already have this brand taken. Um, you know, because while you might think that your trademark and your branding is very unique, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And if you had that great idea, some, you know, for a brand name, somebody else might've already had it as well. 
I'll give you a great example of a, of a client story. She actually didn't end up being a client just yet. And you'll understand why here in a second. She had been selling physical products online for you know, a good five years. And Amazon was kind of her primary marketplace. And all of a sudden, her sales started to dip. And she was like, why are my sales starting to dip? So she went and looked. And someone had actually taken over her listing. Someone was claiming to sell the same exact product as she was, and she had the buy box. So when you go to Amazon, like if you're, if you're not a private label seller, you don't really get it. But like you, you put in a keyword, I want a spatula and you know, a bunch of spatulas pull up, right? And you're like, well, that spatula looks neat. So you click into that one. And then if the price looks good, the photos look good, the reviews look good, you click the buy box and all of a sudden you're buying spatulas, right? Well, there's a number of people on that listing, you know, that, that, that are selling spatulas and whoever owns that buy box is getting all the sales. So this particular client, someone had stolen the buy box from her. Well, to solve that, she need, she finally needed to get around to registering her trademark. And so she came to me and said, hey, I want to register my trademark. I was happy to, to register her trademark. And so I said, well, look, before we get into all that, let me just do a quick search. Let's see if it's available. So I plug her brand name into some software that I use to do this. And sure enough, somebody had already chosen her exact brand name on the exact same product and had been registered for years. So she was just kind of floating along in parallel selling spatulas and she didn't have a legal right to do that. Um, her only option at that point, five years into the growth of her business, selling all sorts of spatulas. I mean, just, you know, hundreds of, of spatulas a day is to rebrand. She had to start from scratch. So if you are selling a physical product and you are putting branding on it, register the trademark in it. Um, it is not only a sword, you know, in, in your in your arsenal to protect your business. It's also an asset to your bottom line. When you go and look to sell your business, you know, one of the things that any potential buyer is going to look for is: Did you protect your intellectual property? And they want to make sure that you have all your trademarks registered for your brand names, your name, your logo, your slogan. Your copyrights, you know, hey, where'd you get those product photos? Did you did you take them yourself? Did you hire them out? Did you register the copyrights in them? Um, you know, if you're doing all of this stuff purposefully as you grow and scale your business, you're going to be in a really good spot, not only as you're in market and you're, you're selling, whether it's your product or service, but when you look to exit and go off and do the next cool thing, you're going to get the absolute most for the sale of your business, 100%. That's really, really good to know. Um, so is there anything that you're specifically talking about people selling physical products? So mm -hmm. if you're selling like info products, digital products, you don't have to worry about it as much. You can, well, you can absolutely do it. Uh, and, and frankly, just it's good business. Like as you have branding that, that is central to your brand, whether it's a physical product or it's an info product or a digital product, um, if you're, if you're going out there and you're really, you know, your brand is front and center to your business, it makes sense to register your trademark. I run towards physical products a little quicker than digital products only because kind of for the same reason I run towards copyright with digital products before I run to, um, you know, trademarks. Uh, it, it's, it's just, you know, that's kind of the first thing for a physical product is registering that trademark. Um, same thing with digital products, copyright first, trademark second. So I have a question that's a little more specific to me, and I know that people will, okay. will relate to this though. Okay. Um, I've chosen to kind of, I've branded myself. 
So mm-hmm. I'm putting myself as the face of my company. I do have an LLC. Okay, uh, it's not under my name, but it's a variation of my name in some other words. Yeah. Um, I've been wondering, well, and I know that it probably varies state to state. I know you can do mm-hmm. like a doing business as, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I have to do that here in Idaho, but I'm mm-hmm. wondering, is there anything that people like me with putting ourselves out there as our brand, is there anything mm-hmm. special or something that we should be doing legally for that situation? Well, so, I mean, you are the brand, right? So as you, as you go out and, you know, I mean, the, the Kardashians are trademarked, right? So you, you know, JLo is trademarked. So you can certainly do that and protect um, your, your personal name. If you're using it as a brand, you, you can certainly do that as well. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, image and likeness and that sort of thing, you know, I, I think it's very important as you go out and kind of do, you know, deals, uh, you want to make sure that as people use images that you provide of, of yourself or, you know, maybe things from your website, they're, they're, you might be very purposeful in terms of how they're able to use that. You know, you certainly don't want to allow someone to do something that would be off-brand. Um, you know, just just really kind of making sure that whoever you're doing business with and whatever the business dealings are, uh, that it all lines up with the brand. Generally, that's going to start with some sort of formal contract. One of the things that entrepreneurs are really horrible about is doing contracts. Um, you know, we, we all, as entrepreneurs, we like handshake deals. We all like to trust and love in one another. Not having a contract is for suckers. It, it really is. It, it, in fact, the closer you are to someone in terms of you know, friendship or family, the more important it is to have a contract. Um, I never understood that. You know, they, they kind of start to introduce that in law school, contracts, contracts, contracts. Uh, but it really, it really is. I, it, it just helps, you know, lay out the, 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 the ground rules, the rules of the road, make sure that you and whoever you're doing business with is on the same page. It doesn't have to be overly fancy. It doesn't have to be lengthy. It doesn't have to be written by an attorney. But it should specify, here's what we're doing. You know, if I'm giving you, you know, images of me and, you know, I'm allowing you to, you know, use it to promote your conference or to put on your website to kind of market the podcast or whatever it is, well, here's some certain, you know, I have the right to look at it before, you know, you post it. Uh, if you want to put me in a, in a press release or the fact that you're working with me in a press release, I want a chance to read the press release first. You know, all of those sorts of things that you just kind of assume people would do anyway, don't assume. Uh, you know, get it in some sort of writing. Uh, again, doesn't have to be overly formal, doesn't have to be overly legal, but just, you know, being on the same page means literally there has to be a page to be on. Uh, so have a contract. I like that. There has to yeah. be a page to be on. I Literal totally made page. that up. Just, I just totally made that up off the top <laughs> of my should, head. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to trademark, I'm going to trademark that soon. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I've had mixed feelings about contracts. Um, I do mm-hmm. use contracts in my business, but um, so you know Russell Brunson. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> he, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah right. A, yeah. Who's that? Who is that guy? <laughs> Click what? What is that? Yes. So, um, not very long ago, he put out a podcast episode talking about. I don't think it was specifically about contracts, but it was brought mm-hmm. up in this episode. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, yeah. I hate contracts. Anytime yeah. someone brings out a contract for me to sign, I just run away from 
like Russell. You're like this. <laughs> You're like this yeah, mega millionaire. Like, I, I, I would suspect. I have no inside <laughs> knowledge of this. I would suspect Russell has signed a contract. Yeah, yeah, life, yeah. But he, yeah. So I was like, so it got me thinking. I'm like, what is the problem with contracts? Because I'm, you know, I use them, and and yeah. I have noticed it's a, it's a little bit of a struggle I'm trying to overcome. And I think it's just something that we all have to deal with in that yeah. when, you know, in my business, I get on calls with people and I'm talking to them, like we're talking now here on zoom right. and, um, you know, we're talking about the, the, the relationship, you know, like you're you mm-hmm. need this, I can provide this for you. And there's excitement and it's really, really fun. And, yeah. and you know, they're, they're enthusiastic. And then it's like, okay, well, let's, you know, move on to the contract stuff. And then like it all just And then, and then it's like the air, like just <laughs> sucked out of the room. Yeah. And so I've been trying to <laughs> figure out how to keep that enthusiasm up without, I mean, with the bringing in the importance of the contracts, because it is important, especially if you're, yeah. um, you know, well, in any situation, but I feel in like especially situation. in the exchange of service and money for both parties, it's, yeah. there's not a physical thing and you need to know, you need to be reassured that, you know, this thing, this digital thing's going to be delivered and this money is going to be delivered. So, so, I, so I think, I think contracts get a little bit of a, of a bad rap and it, and it's because most on, you know, even entrepreneur, well, you say it yourself, I use contracts. Have you ever had a lawyer draft up a contract that's unique to your business or did you find a form online or pull a template or get it from somebody else? Yeah. My, my, guess, <laughs> my guess is like you found it somewhere, right? My guess is, and, I, and this isn't me throwing salt at all, but my guess is you, you don't know all the ins and outs of exactly everything that's in there, right? Like it looks like a contract and it seems like it seems appropriate, right? But it might not be custom tailored for your business. Uh, and, and that's how most entrepreneurs, if they have a contract at all, they've pulled it from somewhere, right? I think that's why they get a bad rap because, you know, everyone's business, even though they're the same, every, everyone's business is, is a bit unique. I had, a, had a, I had a law professor that is the greatest guy in the world. He would walk in and he would, he would, he would, Sometimes he would have books. Sometimes he wouldn't have anything at all. There was no PowerPoint. There was no anything. And he'd hike his knee up on the desk and he would just wax philosophical for like the next hour, right? And it's interesting. I didn't learn as much law from that guy as probably I should have, but some of the things that stick with me to this day came from him. And one of, one of his stories was, you know, he had graduated from law school and he'd gotten a nice job in a nice firm and he's ready to bill hours and do all the things that lawyers do. And, you know, he, he, you know, his, the partner that he was working for came down to his office and said, we've got a client. And he's like, okay, great. What can I bill? And, and the law professor who said, no, you're not, you're not going to bill anything, right? You're going to go, you're going to spend a day at this guy's business. You're just going to walk around and you're going to end this. I want you to learn the ins and outs of who he is and what they do. And the law professor was like, well, wait a minute. I thought I'm supposed to be billing. Like, that's why I'm here. And like, and the partner said, no, 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 no. Go learn the client because you're not going to be able to support him and serve him unless you understand the ins and outs of his business. And so he did. He spent the whole day at the factory. And, you know, I mean, I forget, you know, they made widgets or whatever they made, but it was kind of a unique thing. And he said he was absolutely after that able to bill all sorts of hours, but build them in a really sensible way and create really good work product because he understood his client's business. Same thing with contracts. Everybody's business is a little bit unique. 
has certain wrinkles, businesses have personalities. You know, when I work with clients, one of the things I'm drafting a contract, I'll start with a template because you have to start from somewhere. But one of the early conversations I'll have is, okay, how much do you want to negotiate this? Do you, and, you know, do you want to be strategic and really take a strong line up front, knowing that you're going to fall back later? Or do you just kind of want to go out of the gate super fair? You want a square deal? How do you want the language to, to read? Do you want it so that anyone can, can understand it? Do you want it a little more legalistic? Like, what flavor of contract do you want? I think, you know, because most entrepreneurs just pull templates, they never get that. Uh, and I think they would be well served to, to, to do that. I think you get a better contract if you, absent a lawyer or absent anyone that does contracts, is able to present it and say, hey, here's what it says. I had a client the other day, I was again kind of going through this process with him and, and he said, can you kind of write me a blurb just like in layman's terms? Like, I know you've explained it to me, but just something I can kind of copy and paste to send over to, you know, whoever I'm dealing with. I'm like, sure. You know, and, and was able to write something that explained, hey, this section about the intellectual property stuff, here's what it means. Um, so I think that's why they get a bad rap and they should. Contracts are, are supposed to, to support your business. I think, I think, lawyers do themselves a disservice when they get involved and just want to not serve the needs of their client and just argue the gamesmanship of the contract. Client's got to come first and the, and the way that the contract and the client wants to do business has to come first too. That's really helpful to hear because um, you're right. I mean, we entrepreneurs, especially when starting out, we do go mm-hmm. you know, we have a limited amount of funds, limited amount of yeah. resources to go and you know, hire people to write contracts for us. But I think, mm-hmm. yeah, like I, honestly, I haven't, I mean, I got my templated contract from, you know, a business coach of mine. So it's a little bit tailored yeah. to the freelancing industry, but mm-hmm. it's not tailored specifically to my business. So I know that there's mm-hmm. things in there that probably don't totally relate to, to yeah. the client work that I do. Um, and I think that also one of the reasons that contracts get a bad rap is that it seems like it's easy to break them and it might be partly because we allow them to be broken. Yeah. Uh, you know, if someone comes back with a refund, they're not happy and maybe, maybe less with the service, but more with a, hmm. a digital product. And they're like, yeah, oh, this didn't work. I want my refund. It's easier to just give them the refund, even though if, if you haven't yeah. signed a contract, no, then it's to true. fight them on it. <laughs> Well, it really is true. And, and I think, you know, is, is, you know, people will always kind of, is they, is they argue that point and it's a really fair one. Right. But to me, I would at least like to have the option. If, if I did want to hold the contract, you know, someone to the contract, at least I have one to hold them to. It might be just more efficient. I may not want to bother with it. You know what? You get your hundred dollars back, you know, good luck to you. It's karma and all that stuff. It'll come back to hurt you. <laughs> Um, you know, but right now, like, you know, we'll just let the universe sort it out. Right. And I just don't want to deal with it, but it's still, I'd like the option of having a contract to be able to say, Hey, wait a minute. Remember when you signed this thing and you said you'd pay me the money and then you didn't pay me the money, even though I did the thing, like you really owe me the money. Um, yeah. and it's just, you, you want that option. Yeah. And I also, in my mind, it's more for not not more for, but it's a really good thing to have for the client because I feel like on, if I was on the other side and I was about to pay someone a lot of money to do a service for me mm-hmm. and they're just going to take my money and there's no 
there's no uh, paper that says the work that they're going to do. I'd feel a little bit weird about that. Like, are you, it's someone I barely know. I just met you. Are you sure you're going to deliver on this? So I think of that when I'm giving them the contract is it's, it's more for them. It's me showing like, Hey, I'm putting it down on paper and we're both signing it that I'm going to do this work. This for is, you. this is a real thing. Like I'm going to do this. You're going to yeah. do that. Like, yeah. And, Cause it's and not frankly, tangible. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think especially if you want to grow and scale, like if you want to move from just kind of doing a side hustle and just, you know, kind of is making ends meet being a freelancer to like, it being more serious and taken more seriously, like as you as you grow and scale, people are going to expect you to have a contract. And if you don't, they're going to kind of look at you and say, "Well, wait a minute, like, don't you have a contract? Like, you need a contract." Doesn't again, doesn't have to be overly legal, doesn't have to be overly lengthy, um, doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg, but you should have something that that suits the needs of your business so that you can you can hand it to people. I like to make contracts fun, especially with like entrepreneurs and startups, like. You know, it's, uh, you could use like a really boring font, you know, career new 10.5. You know? I like to spice it up a little bit. Use a little bit of a fun font. Like if you have a fun business, use a fun font. You know, it's not going to make it any less legal. It's going to add a little bit of personality. Throw your logo up in the header. You know, maybe put a cover page on it that's got a logo. It just, you know, it looks a little nicer. It's a little more fun. It's a little more approachable, which especially if you were dealing with, and you know, there's this this weirdness of oh, you know, what are they going to think when I give them the contract? Have a little fun with it. There's no there's no law against having fun. You can absolutely do that in your business. So while while you were saying that, I just had an idea. I've seen people use probably more for their proposals, mm-hmm. uh, creating like these really cool designed PDFs where it's uh-huh. like graphics everywhere. Is that something that, I mean, contracts are usually longer than <laughs> proposals. Sure. So I'm just wondering, is that something that you could put together? I you mean, could, especially you could, if you're doing you, a contract in more of the layman's term language and it's shorter. Yeah. Well, if you, if you think about it, I mean, a contract at its base, right, is, is it's, a, it's a mutual exchange, right? More often than not, especially, you know, for entrepreneurs, it's in exchange for X number of dollars, you're going to get access to this asset or I'm going to help you with this service. Um, you know, you have to spell out what are you giving and what are you getting? How long is the contract going to be for? Are there any certain promises? You know, is the thing that's going to be delivered, is it going to be of a certain quality or do you not care about that at all? Um, you know, if someone wants to, you know, stop the contract, what does that look like? And there's no, re- there's, there's, there's legalese that can be wrapped around all of that, or it can literally just be kind of some layman's terms, plain spoken, the contract's going to start when we sign it, and it's going to end on the day we both agree that it's going to end, right? If someone wants to stop the contract early, they have to tell the other the, the person who doesn't want to stop it and then, you know, wait 30 days before it expires, okay? You know, I mean, you can do that. I think you could absolutely, and, I, and I'm familiar with the different types of proposal software that folks will use. You can put some, what I'm going to call kind of boilerplate terms and conditions in there, that you know, support your business to say, hey, if you want to move forward in this proposal, here's the price, here's when the first payment's going to be, here's where the payments are going to be made over the course of you know however long. And oh, by the way, here's some language about you know promises, and you know, we promise that the stuff we give you give you isn't stolen. You promise that the stuff that you give us isn't stolen, and if it is, you're gonna take care of it, and I'm gonna take care of you. All of those concepts could be baked into a proposal for sure. Yeah. 
That's awesome. It makes me want to go redesign my contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And add a logo. Make it fun. Yeah. Have a good time with it. Yeah. Add some color. Make it look add less some color. Like a, a little spice. Yeah. yeah. A l- less like a paper I'm signing to buy a house and more like a yeah. If it if it looks a like a will, contract. I was gonna say if it looks like a will, that's yeah, a bad that's a bad look. You don't want that. That's boring and stodgy. And no, you can add a little bit of flavor to the contract for sure. That's really cool. So Robert, if someone listening wants to reach out to you, they need some help or they just need some more advice from you, where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me at counselinthecloud.com and that is council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, not the other council. Uh, in the cloud. And I named that, that's my site because I'm a virtual, like I said, I'm a virtual lawyer. Like I am the first virtual law practice here in Kentucky. Uh, very proud of that fact. Don't have a brick and mortar. I don't want one. I work from my laptop and wherever I go, my practice goes with me. So you can check me out at counselinthecloud.com. Uh, and if you'd like to go to the site, you can get the Bulletproof Business Blueprint, which will lay out a lot of the things that we talked about here in terms of, you know, personal asset protection and bulletproofing your brand registering your copyrights, some basics of contracts. So, so go check out the guide. It'll help support your business a little bit. Great. Thank you so much, Robert, for being here with us. Oh, no problem. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amplify Your Impact. If you're loving what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review to help others like you discover the show. Now, have you ever wished that you could have a funnel builder or funnel designer on demand at your call whenever you needed them? Well, I want to invite you to go check out profunneldesigns.com where you can get a funnel builder for your team for a flat monthly fee and get whatever you need done anytime you need it. If you have existing funnels that need some optimization and redesigning, if you need new funnels built, then we can get new funnels built for you. And if you are just needing someone to manage what you already have going, then we can help with that as well. So head on over to profunneldesigns.com and check out what we can do for you.